Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Life of a Utah Medium. I am your host, Caden, and welcome to the first of many mental health topics to come. Hope you guys are enjoying the information that I'm bringing you, and hopefully this episode will be super informative for you and that it will be received well across the Life of a Utah Medium fan base. If this episode is received pretty well, I'm going to continue to do them every other week. If they're not, then maybe we'll move back to once a month. Uh, We'll just kind of see how this plays out. But we are going to talk about topics that are related to the mental health field. And I'm going to be introducing you to specific diagnoses, statistics, any information like that that may help you understand what the kids in our world are going through and what their families are having to deal with on a daily basis. Before we get into the subject of the day, let's talk a little bit about some updates on the podcast, reading events, uh, all kinds of events, uh, that kind of stuff. A huge shout out to Death the Show for having us on the podcast last week. We did a live feed on YouTube and I tagged it on the Facebook page for you all to check out at The Life of a Utah Medium on Facebook. Go support Death the Show and go check out their YouTube. They actually put in some amazing material. Um... And you can also check out their Facebook page. Go give them a support. They're great guys. They're working to revive their show. Uh, Chuck has been recording for the last 10 years or so. And uh, he is actually a medium himself. So uh, that was a lot of fun to interview with him. Uh, I am looking for guests. There's a few guests that I have contacted to put on the show. But the first of which will be next week. On the paranormal topic for the week, we're going to have Shane from Bear River Paranormal on the show. We're going to talk about his investigating, his paranormal team, all of their evidence, uh, any events that they have coming up, and just generally support their work. So stay tuned for that. Listen into the show. I'm excited to have Shane on. We've known Shane for a long time, and uh, he's a great guy. He's got a great team, and I think that uh, you guys are going to like what he has to say. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, I am working to put together more information. Please send me a message or send me an email with your information, and I would love to get a hold of you and get you scheduled to be on the show. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the mental health side of things. Uh, Mending Minds Village has been doing a lot of work over the last few weeks, and uh, it's been a hard time getting things put together just because the legislators that we've been working with are all in session. But this next week is the last week of this general session for this year. Once they are out of session, then we're going to begin working on a few more things and really start to investigate mental health as a whole for juveniles in the state of Utah. Once we are able to figure out some things in the state... I've already begun working a little bit outside of the state, working in a couple of other areas, and it seems to be going very well. So we are in talks of expanding over the over the next year or so to other states, um, setting up partnerships with some of their organizations, working on some of the bigger um, bills and policies that are be working, being worked on at the federal level. Uh, which is a huge deal for our small organization to already be involved in that. Uh, we're very excited about it. I'm uh, really 
kind of taken aback by the information that we're putting together. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in today's episode. Um, we are also working on putting together um, some numbers, some figures to see what programs and what resources specifically are needed in the state of Utah. Uh, we already know that another receiving center would be a huge deal. And if you are a mental health professional uh, that is listening to this podcast, you will definitely understand that comment. Um, and so we're working on that. That's that's a conversation that's going to come up in the next couple of weeks. We have a meeting set up with um, Huntsman Mental Health Institute, who is the largest mental health um, foundation organization in the state of Utah right now. And they are the ones that are, are responsible for the two receiving centers that are currently standing. Um, they are partnered up with Primary Children's Hospital. And so between themselves and Primary Children's, they definitely uh, have that field covered, which is great. Uh, we're working on amping up a little bit on their crisis intervention and on the uh, mobilization response teams and that kind of stuff. So stay tuned for more information. I will release more as we have it. Um, so let's jump in a little bit to uh, just general overview of mental health in Utah. What it is that we are working on. Uh, Mending Minds Village, as we have talked about in the past, is a nonprofit organization. And we are targeting specifically juveniles who are in need of mental health resources, who are in need of treatment, who are in need of medicines, of transportation. Um, we are targeting families that are in need of financial resources to get through particularly difficult times. Um, but we are working on three different real topics. Um, and so let's talk about those individually. Uh, so when we talk about mobilization and crisis response, uh, crisis response is kind of a general coverall. Uh, crisis response could be answering the phone and talking somebody down from an angry situation. But we need to take that one step further, especially for families with juveniles that are struggling and families with juveniles that need a little bit more attention and a little bit more treatment um, intensity. And that's where the mobilization and the stabilization teams come in. Uh, those are teams that are actually able to go to your home or to the school where your child is and address their outburst immediately. They are trained professionals. They know how to really calm and bring down a situation really well. They know how to evaluate the situation and see whether, whether it is a dangerous situation, whether it is um, likely that the situation will continue after they're gone, and they can make the decision at that point what is best for that child whether that is to stay in the home and just go to bed for the night or whether that is to the, go to the hospital for possible admission into one of the receiving centers. Um, that could be, they can make a recommendation for changing medication. Uh, they are very, very well trained in what they do. 
they do tend to put up with some high stress situations. A child that is threatening suicide or children that are um, violently fighting with weapons in the home or, um, you know, bipolar or uh, other, you know, other mental health patients that are uh, not really here in the moment and don't know what's going on. They just know that they're really, really ticked off. Um, That is what the stabilization team is for. And when you call the crisis line that is established, that is, it is established in every county in the state of Utah right now, all 26 counties, uh, the crisis response team will decide whether they can help you over the phone or whether they need to send out a mobilization team. And the problem with the mobilization team is in rural counties, Right now, the response is not great. They may have a night where they have 30 calls and they only have five mobile response teams available that night. Unfortunately, that means that somebody's being left out. That means that somebody is going to have to deal with that situation on their own. And it is entirely up to the crisis response team to make that call, to decide which case is more priority and which case needs to be dealt with immediately versus cases where they feel like the parents can handle it or make the right choice. Uh, so it's, it's real interesting when you get into that level of, of thinking. Um, and I've heard several comments in the, in recent times where Adults are saying they don't realize that the mental health situation in juveniles is as bad as it is. And that's when we start talking those numbers. So that's the second topic that we're going to start targeting is the lack of resources and the lack of available treatment options for these kids. Uh, So we have one out of several organizations that has sent us their statistics. Um... And, uh, you know, for, for just their privacy, I'm not going to let you know which organization it is. But where they're at right now, they have 365 children on a waiting list to get into treatment. That's to get in and get their initial treatment and make a treatment plan with them. 365 kids, one child per day needs to get into the program. And with those 365 kids, they are down 18 therapists and they are down 82 staff members. 18 therapists and 82 staff members. Those are large numbers. They are large enough, in fact, that they are now on a hiring Uh, frenzy they are desperately trying to look for staff and they are on an intake freeze so they don't know how many kids could be on that potential list Uh, all they know is the numbers that they have currently waiting and that is that is scary numbers and that's only one organization Uh, Each organization covers a specific county or they cover a specific area code, like zip codes. 
Um, and so one of the other organizations that I'm waiting to hear back from covers our rural counties. They cover the 16 counties in southern Utah where we don't know the numbers that are going to come out of there yet, but we know for a fact that rural counties need help on a three-to-one ratio. For every kid in, a, in the urban areas that is getting treatment, three children in a rural area need the same treatment. So you can imagine 365 in an urban area. I'm going to imagine that we're pretty close to 1,000-plus kids on a wait list right now to get into treatment in a rural area. And, you know, you can imagine double to nearly triple the amount of openings over six count, 16 counties versus the one county that the one program covers. Those are pretty big numbers. And it makes it really, really difficult to pinpoint really how to fix that issue when the numbers are that large, right? Well, we disagree. We think that there is a solution. There's got to be a way that we can get some staff members in place. We can get another facility open. We can help out with the day treatment programs that are currently in place. And we can do all of that while still keeping the state happy and still keeping Medicaid happy. And several people that we have spoken with so far seem to agree. So we're going to definitely work on that. Um, so we've talked about a little bit about the mobilization response. We've talked about the stabilization response. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to introduce to you the sponsor of this show. And then when we get back from that break, we will cover the third and final subject of the show. So stay tuned and let's talk about that a little bit. And today's show was sponsored by Hup's podcast, the Haunting Unearthly and Paranormal Stories podcast. This show it can be found on hupspodcast.com. We're going to play the ad for you from Hups and then we will talk about it after the ad. Welcome to the Haunting Unearthly and Paranormal Stories podcast. Each week will be a different event, whether paranormal or some other strange and unexplained happening. Maybe even a haunting located near you will be examined and relayed to you. These events and stories are based on events have been given to us by the people who experience these events in their own lives. These stories will take you to the depths of fear and back again. You will learn of places haunted by spectrals and other shadows. You will learn about ghost investigations, the demonic happenings and possible possessions, dream homes taken over by paranormal or supernatural events. Within all these stories, you will question yourself and locations you have been to. Those times you caught movement out of the corner of your eye, or thought you did. <laughs> you may just learn that it likely was some spirit 
from another plane of existence, trying to get your attention. You may start questioning different locations you currently visit and begin to wonder if those slight noises that you are hearing are truly the building settling or someone from a past life walking down the hallway toward you. These weekly journeys we take together will lead us down deserted roads, into the deep and dark forests, and through the doors of buildings we should not enter. Pull up a chair and join me as we take a step into the unknown, here on The Haunting, Unearthly, and Paranormal Stories Podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at hupspodcast at yahoo.com or contact us through our website, http colon forward slash forward slash hupspodcast.com. Just remember, believe those that you choose or believe in none. It is your choice. And again, another shout out to Hups Podcast for sponsoring this episode. We appreciate your partnership and uh, look forward to seeing the amount of shows that you put out and the amount of people that uh, are able to go over and listen to both episodes. So let's jump back into the subject here, guys. Um, The third and final subject that we are planning to address with our organization and The third subject that we're covering is early intervention. Let's talk about early intervention a little bit. Early intervention is addressing the needs of children or of anybody really, but in this case, the needs of children as they arise rather than trying to push it off and trying to diagnose it later and later and later in life. for example, you, we all have discussed our daughter quite frequently. And to give you guys an idea of where we stand right now, um, we were supposed to go in and do her testing appointment this week. Unfortunately, they triple booked her appointment. So that's been moved back to March 21st. But let's talk a little bit about that. So she went in for what should have been her initial testing when she was four years old. Uh, Four years old. And that's not the youngest that we've heard of issues arising. Uh, We've talked to children that around two and a half to three, they knew that there was something going on, that they knew that there was some issues that needed to be addressed. Okay, so at four years old, We took her in. They should have done the testing. They didn't. They pushed it back. They said she was too young. They said that there were, I mean, they gave us a list of excuses. Uh, And so we didn't. So we waited and waited and waited. Now she is seven going on eight. And now we're finally getting somewhere with testing. Well, that's four years. In that four years, we could have been working on treatment. We could have been working on medication stabilization. We could have been working on a whole number of things. And because they refused to treat it, and because they refused to diagnose anything at four years old, 
we're you know, four years behind schedule. If we could have gotten something done in that four-year window, uh, we may not having be having the issues that we're having in school. We may not be having the issues with emotional dysregulation. We may not be having the issues with anger disorders and all that kind of stuff. And we're not the only case. I know of several cases that are similar to hers, where if they would have done the testing when the families originally requested it, then it wouldn't have even been an issue. They would have gotten the diagnosis early on. They would have gotten on a treatment plan early on. And they would have been able to do medication and do schooling differently and do all kinds of things that would help them really focus on that child and and help understand their needs better and understand what they are going through. And in the state of Utah, we don't do that. In the state of Utah, uh, one of the largest issues that we have talked about with the legislators is the need for that early intervention and the need for families to feel like they're being heard rather than put off and ignored for four to five to seven years. There are families that tried to reach out for help at four or five years old and didn't find that help and didn't find that treatment until the child was nearly 12. And at that point, because there was no assistance, there was no medication, no balance, no nothing, that child eventually went on to burn down a house, to commit suicide, to do any number of things. And that's a that's a big problem. And I know that we talked in one episode about ways that the federal government is trying to help with early intervention and the way that they're trying to help with mental health and juveniles in the country in general. And yes, I know it's the government and it's always scary when the government says, hi, we're here to help you. But y'all know me. And y'all know that I do my research when I hear something like that because I am quick to judge and I am really quick to not trust. And so I've done my research on what the programs that they're trying to do and I'm still researching it. But I do want to do another episode uh, here in a couple of weeks on mental health And I will go into detail about the information I'm finding on what they're trying to do. But what they're trying to do is create certified community behavioral health centers. And they're calling them CCBHCs. And what they are is a federally funded program that really just reaches into the programs that are already created. It reaches into the Medicaid office. It reaches into the state level. It reaches into the organizational levels. And they provide federal funding and they kind of open their pocketbooks and fund whatever is necessary. And then they also really set specific guidelines. They want therapists to be trained in that early intervention, in testing, in three- and four-year-old juveniles who need assistance. Uh, They really crack down on the policies. They reduce the amount of reporting that's necessary, which is amazing. 
because one of the biggest things that we hear from organization directors, as well as from lead therapists from some of these organizations, is they spend just as much time writing a report on a session as they do having the actual session. And that's not how that should go. You know, they need to spend an hour in a session working with a child, not worrying about writing the report. And then they need to spend 10 to 15 minutes after the report, after the meeting with that child. And they need to be able to write just a 15 minute synopsis of what happened, the communication that took place. That's not the case right now. And that is not the case because it is a state mandated issue. And so the CCBHC model will come in and adjust that reporting requirement a little bit. And it will provide the federal funding, which is one of the largest issues, if not the largest issue that is being faced right now in mental health, um, is because they don't have the staff members. They don't have the money to keep those staff members. And when the staff is leaving at the rate that they are, that situation is becoming doubled and tripled. So we really are focusing on getting that addressed and really kind of opening up the eyes of the people that we're working with, opening up the eyes of some of these large directors who really don't get in on the front lines that sit back in their office and really put together the reports and understand what's happening in the offices. But they don't really have the time to sit down with the, the juveniles and with their parents to understand them on a personal level. Uh, they don't have that time because they're spending all of their time trying to find replacement therapists and staff members and create better ways to get funding for their programs and try to keep the staff that they have on hand. Uh, so the next time you get a chance, if you know a therapist, if you know a director, if you know a staff member at one of these day treatment programs or at an inpatient program, uh, staff member even at the Utah State Hospital, please thank a healthcare worker because without them, we're all in this alone. And I don't know about the last time that you were alone on a mental health issue, but it is not great. And being a juvenile without somebody to back you up with a mental health issue would be even worse. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of The Life of a Utah Medium. Again, if you are interested in being a guest on the show, please send me a message on the Facebook page, The Life of a Utah Medium. And if you are interested in readings, whether it's a personal reading or a group reading, you can contact me on that page as well. And you can book a 30-minute or a 60-minute personal reading, or you can book a group reading with, uh, try to do a minimum of four or five people in a group. Um, and if you are looking for that information, you can always send me a message and I'll give you all the details on that. And the next podcast episode we talked about, we have Shane coming on, then we'll have another mental health episode. And then after that, we will have another paranormal topic and I will update you all on, uh, our Monday night sessions what the show topic is going to be for that week. So stay tuned for that. Be looking for more of those videos. I'm trying to get things put together so that I can continue doing my live feeds off of StreamYard so that it 
mutually broadcast to the Facebook page and to the YouTube page. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to the show and downloading it and sharing it to your friends and your family. You guys are amazing and you guys are really, really helping me grow this show to be uh, one of the most heard shows on the spiritual channel on Podomatic and on um, Spotify and Spreaker. Uh, so you can find this show on all of your favorite podcast show channels. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on just about anything. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Beaker. Uh, there's there's quite a few of them. If you are wondering where you can find it, if there is a platform that you prefer to listen to your podcasts on, send me a message and ask me if it's covered. And if it's not, I will find a way to get it all there for you. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in, tuning in. You've had another great episode with the life of a Utah medium. Stay classy, America. Be excellent to one another. And another great episode brought to you by the life of Utah medium. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.